Welcome to the Mormon Mompreneur Podcast. Mormon Mompreneur is a home for women of faith who desire to be strengthened in motherhood and empowered in business. We thrive off of talking with other women with unique experiences and vision who have felt guided by the divine to bring about remarkable things at home and abroad. Welcome. We are excited to have Rosemary from QNOR. She founded this awesome company that makes and sells really beautiful temple dresses. She started out at 16 as a high-end fashion model in New York City. We're uh-huh. going to hear more about that. And then left because she wanted to do something more, wanted to get out of that scene. About a year ago, she started this temple dress company that makes and sells really beautiful temple dresses. If you've ever tried to get a temple dress, you know how hard it is to find one that you feel good in and feel beautiful in. And so she has answered that for us and made this really amazing company. So we're excited to talk to you about that. And welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. (laughs) So will you tell me about your background? Fill in the blanks. What did I not tell about QNOR? So QNOR started, um, just I feel like the seed of it started a few years ago when I was still a student at BYU. I was studying broadcast journalism and I needed like, one random elective credit. And so I took a lecture series class in the business school and they just had people that had started businesses or owned their own companies would come and give a one hour lecture and it was a different person every week. And I really had like no interest in business, (laughs) but I signed up for it because I heard it was great. And I loved that class. They had me read a book called The Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. And that book just talked about how business can really be a service. If you can find a need or solve a problem and fill the need um, and solve the problem, then you really are helping people. And I loved that idea. And so like in my heart, I just had this like gut feeling, or I guess that would be in my gut. I had a gut feeling, not in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) I just had this feeling that one day I wanted to have a business and I didn't know what it would be about, but I knew I wanted to solve a problem. I wanted it not just to be like another business that people were already doing. I wanted it to be different. So that's kind of where that idea started, but it took a few years to find the need in 2015 was working for the church as a contractor in their video department and I was essentially working full-time but I wasn't a full-time employee and the church was changing the rules that would limit the amount of time that contractors could work and so it essentially cut me down in 2016 to part-time and I have to fund my own life and so I (laughs) I knew that I needed to find a way to either fill in the other part time with my own like videography and photography freelance work, or maybe I needed to go get a different job or something like that. So I was just in the temple early 2015 and just praying and saying like, Heavenly Father, what what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go get a real job? Can I keep doing this freelance thing with photography and videography? And as I was sitting there, I um, was started thinking about a lot of young women that I knew or women my age that had started their own companies and how great that was. And just like the little Instagram boutiques that you see a lot. And I thought about like the cute modest dresses they're making. And then I started noticing the temple dresses around me. And I thought, dang, like 
companies are making modest dresses. It's too bad that no one's making white ones. Like, it, <laughs> cute, comfortable white yeah. ones. <laughs> and I kind of joke about it, but I also was kind of serious that I felt the spirit be like, well, why don't you? And I was kind of like, okay, fine. <laughs> I don't know how to do that, but I'll try. And so I was in an initiatory. I finished up in the temple and then I got dressed and I literally went right upstairs to Sister Samuelson, the Salt Lake Temple matron's office. And I just said, hey, I had this idea. Am I allowed to do that? Like, what are the rules? Can I just make my own temple dresses? Do you have to be like a sanctioned business? And she just said, go for it. Like, it's about time someone did that. Go for it. So... I just went home and I have experience in the fashion industry, but I don't have experience in the actual manufacturing industry. And so I just started calling and emailing like anyone I knew that knew anything about it. And it took a lot of time just Googling and (laughs) um, asking a lot of questions. So that was January and QNOR didn't actually launch until the end of November, and I was working on it pretty solid, hours and hours, those, what is that, 11 months? And even then, we didn't have actual dresses till February of 2016. So it was a long, wild road. Well, there are a lot of things that totally impressed me with the whole story. I mean, you just got up after receiving inspiration, and you got right up and said, hey, I'm gonna go talk to the temple matron. I love that. (laughs) I had a friend in my ward and her cousin is like very adventurous and doing things. And she always said that her cousin's mantra is the faster you start walking, the faster God starts talking. And I loved that. That like, hey, Emily Father, I have limited time on this earth. I'm going to try to accomplish as much as I can. So I'm going to start beelining it for whatever (laughs) I have to do. And like, correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) I'm just going to go for it and stop me or like adjust me where you need be. And that can be scary sometimes. But I think I was really blessed like in that moment to have a little bit of tunnel vision of like, yes, I want to do this. This feels good. I'm going to go for it. And there were definitely moments where I was like, I need to take a break from this because this feels too much and it's overwhelming and hard and scary. But I I knew that that idea was like a, a blessing or an opportunity from Heavenly Father and so I held on to that. So even after taking like a couple weeks breaks, I would kind of latch onto that and be like, I have a responsibility to that gift. Like I need to act on that still. As Mormon business women, we don't think about a lot of times putting God in our business. Yeah. Like I think that that's a missing link in a lot of people's business because he says he'll bless us, right? Totally. Throughout our whole lives. So why not why not a business, right? Yeah. So how is having that knowledge, like you got a a distinct personal revelation. Like, how has that changed you and changed your business? Cunor is a business and an opportunity for me to pay my bills, for sure. But I also try to think of it as this is a tool that Heavenly Father is using to help me become like Christ. Because that's the whole purpose to be here on this earth, right? Is to become like Christ. And so I try to just think, hey, this is teaching me patience and hard work and forgiveness and forgiveness of myself mostly and like just grit and things like that, all qualities, I think, of Christ. And I also think that like Heavenly Father and Christ are the ultimate businessmen. They know how to get business done. (laughs) And like when I was in photography, I would think no one's a better photographer than Heavenly Father or no one understands composition or light or beauty like him. He says, seek and you shall find, like come ask me questions. And so I think, why not use that awesome resource? For sure, Google stuff and read about stuff and ask mentors here 
But I really try to include him because I know that he wants to help. So I think, why not? Yeah. So this didn't just happen, right? You didn't just become this person who could design dresses. You have a background in fashion and yeah. you had two years in New York at 16, which is yeah, crazy. Just <laughs> <laughs> but tell me about that. Like, tell me about your experience in high fashion and how that shaped you, good and bad. And yeah, tell me about that. Well, I think even before fashion, probably like one of the greatest preparatory steps was just like my family life. My parents are both artists. My mom is an interior designer and my dad is a fine like oil artist. And so I grew up in a home where we were always creating things and art was encouraged. And we grew up sewing and like making pajama pants and pillowcases and things like that. And my family lived in New York when I was 8 to 12 because my mom was going to school to get her interior design degree. So I would go to class with her and was exposed to a little bit of that world. And so I was very used to the city. And so when I was 16, my family had moved back to Utah and I, I got this opportunity to join Elite Model Management, a modeling agency in New York City. And I moved out there, but I, I felt familiar with New York because I had lived there before. I'd been there just a few years prior. And that was an insane and a wonderful and really hard blessing. <laughs> it was great looking back now. I think I got to spend hours and hours standing with some of the world's top designers just watching them. Because of my body type, I did a lot of what's called fit modeling, which essentially is being like a live mannequin. So when a designer is done with their collection, I did a lot of work with um, Jill Stewart, for example. She's a beautiful women's wear designer. Um, when Jill was pretty much done with her collection, I would come in and I would try on everything and they would just make like the final tweaks and like make sure the garment hanged just right. And I was their bit or their standard body that they would use. So I just stood there and I watched her talk to her people and talk about, you know, the hand of the fabric and the drape and where it needed to tuck in order to be flattering for a woman's body and that kind of stuff, which a whole another story. I didn't really have a woman's body. And so it's kind of scarce. <laughs> I have like the body of a 12 year old boy. So it didn't really make sense. But I didn't appreciate it at the time. But now I totally am grateful for that opportunity. And then also just to kind of see a little bit of the behind the scenes of pattern making and then samples and then tweaking the samples and sourcing fabric from different places and all tools and experiences that were so important to me as I started QNOR. So that was that was really great. I've heard you talk about your message to young women and what you think is important and what they could learn from your experience. And so what would you tell young women if they were listening to this podcast? Through modeling and through QNOR, I've been really blessed to have the opportunity to go and speak to young women's groups often. When I was in middle school, I in high school, I had terrible self-esteem. Most of that stemmed because I was just thinking about myself. You know, what did people think of me? And was I pretty enough? Was I funny enough? Was I cool enough? Was I wearing the right clothes? Was I enough? And I was just thinking a lot about myself. Going into modeling, I thought for sure, and everyone around me thought, she's going to come home with this massive self-confidence and she's going to be a changed girl because now where her body was a negative thing because I was so tall and skinny and so different from my peers, now my body would be a positive. And so I went through two years of modeling and people would ask me, do you feel so much better about who you are? And I remember being like, 
yes. But inside I was thinking, no, what the fuck? If anything, I felt worse about myself and I couldn't figure out why. And I felt really bad about it. I felt like super ungrateful and there was maybe like something was wrong with me. And it wasn't until later that I started to understand that I was unhappy in middle school and high school because I was just thinking about myself and the way I looked and what other people thought about me. And I was still unhappy in modeling because I was just thinking about myself and the way I looked. <laughs> like the way I looked determined if I could pay my rent. It was everything. And you know, what jobs I booked and did that designer like me or did that casting director like me? And how did I compare to the girl next to me? My whole world was determined and surrounded by my outward exterior. And I didn't really have time to do like anything else. I didn't really have friends that I hung out with or anything. Definitely not any hobbies. And I think Satan's greatest tool, regardless of what you look like of your body type, is he's going to try to distract us. He understands as women, especially I think as young women, the potential and the power that we hold to do good and to serve and to be someone that makes change, someone that helps the world progress um, and helps those around them. All he has to do to stop us from becoming those individuals of power is distract us. And he does that by getting us to focus on ourselves, whether it's I'm not pretty enough or I am a total babe. Either way, he's going to distract us and it works like a charm. I think the best way to combat him is kind of use his same tactic. If he's going to distract us from who we are, how God sees us, then we can like distract ourselves from Satan's message. And so I think the best way to do that is by learning new things, creating and serving. When I'm getting ready in the morning, that's a time where I'm really vulnerable to Satan's attacks, whether I'm getting ready and thinking like, dang, I look good today, or I'm thinking like, oh, I look like a sea witch today. Either way, I'm thinking about myself only, and that's bad. And so while I'm getting ready in the morning, I listen to podcasts, or I listen to the scriptures, or I listen to general conference, anything to keep my brain focused on what really matters and to be learning something new. So the second thing would be creating. When we create something, I think we tap into our divine nature. We are daughters of the ultimate creator, obviously. And so that runs in our blood, very literally. So when we create something that wasn't there before, I think our hearts eat that up and feel like real satisfaction as opposed to like, oh my gosh, I got more likes on this Instagram than I've ever gotten before. Like, <laughs> it really matters when we create something that wasn't there before. And then the third thing, serving others. And Jesus Christ was like the ultimate example of that. I love looking in the New Testament at his hard days, like when he found out that John the Baptist, his cousin slash best friend had been killed or when he suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane or when he was on the cross, all of those like really hard days where I think we would understand if he was a little inward focused. I'm having a hard day. I need some space. Like (laughs) no one would be surprised. But his like immediate reaction in every one of those cases is to turn outward. So when he found out that John had been killed, he immediately called the angels to go to like John's crew because he was like, hey, I'm sure they're having a really hard day. I'm going to send angels to comfort them. After suffering in the garden and feeling so much pain, He was concerned about the guy that got his ear chopped off and healed him, even though that's like a paper cut compared to what Christ had just experienced. When he's on the cross, he's concerned about the men that are like being crucified next to him and offering comfort today. I'll see you in paradise. Or 
He's concerned about the people that are crucifying him and asking for forgiveness for them and saying they don't know what they're doing. As easy as it can be to focus on ourselves, service, creating, and learning new things are the number one way to distract ourselves. And it's essentially, I think, distracting ourselves to focus on our true divine nature. It's just distracting ourselves from Satan's lies. Well, I think you think that that is something that we just face, that problem of focusing on ourselves or whatever is just for young women, right? But that is so not, you know, right? It's moms. I mean, whether that's we're like looking at our kids and we're like, what the heck? This is what I'm, <laughs> this is what I'm doing or... Anyway, it is something that we are going to struggle with forever. Totally. And, and so I love that message. I didn't realize, but I listen to like conference talks all the time when I'm getting ready. Yeah. But I didn't realize that that's what I'm doing is I'm distracting myself from thinking about myself, which is totally true. Like if I think about when I don't do that, I'm like, oh my goodness, you look tired today. <laughs> I definitely don't want to give the perception that it's, you know, it's bad to spend time getting ready or it's bad to think like, hey, I like how I look today. Like, no, I don't think that's bad at all. But I, for me, at least in my experience, is that's an easy place to get stuck. For me, it can be a spiral. And so those are kind of like my keep in my back pocket defense mechanisms, almost like, oh, I catch myself getting stuck here. I'm kind of sinking. I need to text someone and say, like, how are you doing? So just a quick thing that I can do to kind of pull myself out of my own little world and try to focus on others. Well, you know your warning signs, right? I think that's it. And just saying, you know what, because you are getting ready. So that means that you do care about how you look. My mom always said, get up in the morning and get ready and then go out the door and forget yourself. I love that. So I think that that's it. Because I know when I don't get ready, then that's what I'm thinking about is... I look like I didn't get ready. So <laughs> so it allows you to forget yourself if you can take care of yourself a little bit. Totally. So you're pretty young, right? Are you 26? 27. 27. You had yeah. a birthday? I'm getting up there. <laughs> and your company is just under a year old, which yeah. is a big deal. Um, and I think a lot of our listeners will want to know, like, how you did it. How did you overcome feelings of doubt and not being enough or not knowing enough? Tell me your secrets. I was thinking about that recently, and I think kind of a little, a good example would be, or for me at least, is so I'm just getting into golf, and golf is expensive, and so I play golf at a really inexpensive course, but I take lessons at a country club. My teacher just happens to teach at a country club, and every time I show up there, I feel like there's a big sign above my head that says, like, <laughs> does not belong here. <laughs> He's not one of us because, yeah, I just am not a country club. I don't have a country club kind of bank account. But I have to like literally remind myself that these people are just people. They are no different from me. And so I do the same thing. Like I think about like, I don't know who started Nike. I know it was a guy that was a runner. But Nike, this massive, massive company that like is sponsoring the Olympics, like not very many years ago was one started by just a guy and like I love that he's just a dude and like Walmart was one day just started by a guy and I'm sure there's other companies that were just started by like a random woman like nasty gal this massive women's 
clothing company was just one day started by a 24-year-old who had a eBay account. So I try to remind myself that like, or at least I tell myself that these people are no smarter than me. They're not any more special than me or loved by God than me. And if they can do it, so can I. And they didn't know everything that they knew at day one. Just like a master golfer didn't start out day one as a master golfer. Like they were whacking at the ball just like I am. So I try to remind myself that. And I try to remind myself like, I don't know, or I can't do that. Or I don't know how I just say like, of course you don't know how, or of course you can't like do that right now. Cause you don't know how, like you need to learn it. And so it goes back to my thing and how I view QNOR as just an opportunity or a tool to help me to fulfill my purpose here on this earth. There's like a lot of things, mostly everything to do with QNOR, I didn't know how to do. And even if I knew like things that were coming down the pipeline to me, I probably would have said like, actually, I'm going to pass on this one because that's terrifying. But I just have accepted that I'm just going to learn step by step. And I'm going to learn like little thing by little thing. Today, I'm going to learn how in the world you make a tag that goes in a garment. I don't know, where are people getting those? Like, who's making <laughs> tags? And like, how much are they supposed to cost? And where's the proper placement in the garment? Like, I don't know anything about that. Or I didn't know anything about that. And that was okay. And it just took a little bit of Googling and some phone calls and I figured it out. Um, and that was okay. Um, I think though that that's how it is. It's usually the little things, right? It's like, where does this tag go? That we're like, what the heck? What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know that stuff. I don't know. <laughs> that, oh. that they hold us back. I always like to wrap up an interview with asking one of the questions that I think is most important is how have you seen the hand of God in your business? I mean, are there any experiences or specific stories that you knew that he was there pushing you along, even if it was hard? Yeah. After I met with Sister Samuelson, I you know I had the idea of QNOR in the temple, met with Sister Samuelson went to Walmart to pick up groceries, called my mom and dad and told them what I was doing. And then I went home and had a little heart to heart with Heavenly Father and just said, okay, I think this is an idea from you. I'm going to start running with it. And I kind of made a deal with him. And I said, I'm going to work like my guts out on this for a year. I will launch this before the next new year. I, I looked at like my savings account and what kind of money, because I knew it was going to take an investment. I said like, I feel like if I, you know, live tight and I'm really careful, I can invest, it was $5,000 into this. I committed a year of hard work and $5,000 of my savings. And I just basically said, the rest of it, Emily Father, is in your court. <laughs> I don't know what you want this to be. I don't want to know if you want this to work. Or I don't know if you want this to just be something that I work on for a while and then it turns into something else. And it was more just like kind of, long, expensive learning experience. Like, I don't know. <laughs> that's what I feel like I can give. And so that's what I did. I worked through that year and that $5,000 and I launched the company end of November because I really wanted to keep to that year promise. And, you know, a few like sales, people were being really supportive and trickling in. And the way I was doing it was essentially saying everything was on a pre-sale basis. 
and we needed or I needed to meet a certain a certain like mark in order to actually start production. Unfortunately, companies won't make you 40 dresses at a time. You have to have right. a minimum of a few hundred. And so bless people's heart, they had given me money in like November and it was early January and I still like, I wasn't even close. I had reached this point where I said like, okay, Heavenly Father, I either need to say, thanks for your support guys, but here's your money back because I'm like, I can't hold your money for this long. I can't expect you to do that or something's got to give. And it was a really terrifying moment for me because it was a big risk and I put myself out there and people knew that I had put all this time and money into it and I was worried about flopping um, and I was, I was embarrassed. It was kind of like I felt like I was one of the children of Israel and we were at the Red Sea and I was like, all right, something's got to happen. <laughs> Or we're hosed. <laughs> and uh, I think it was on January 11th is when the Deseret News did a feature piece on my story and on QNOR. And the Red Sea literally just parted. It was an, an absolute miracle of a huge blessing. And it helped me reach the people that I knew were out there that wanted it. But I just was having such a hard time finding them or getting QNOR to them. So that Desert News article, which turned into other articles in other places, made the switch. And that's what enabled us to like go into production and get the dresses to people. And so that was you know, a huge blessing that I will always, always look back on and be grateful for. That is amazing. That is yeah. amazing. Thank you for sharing that, because I think that we look at companies like Nike or like you, who we think, oh yeah, she just started a company. And you it know? just like worked. It <laughs> right? didn't just work. It yeah. had some really scary moments. Yeah, but I also believe in saying, Heavenly Father, this is what I can give. Mm -hmm. You know, and then say, you know what? Check again. Be like, you know what? I gave what I could and I needed a I need a miracle. Yeah. And so and he gives us those opportunities to show faith and okay. to say, Yeah, you're right, Heavenly Father is in this with me. Totally. So, so and I feel like that with talking to you, I've just I feel like I am best friends with you, which oh, is great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just love how you view your business and your life and that you're willing to share that with others and be a great missionary and share Christ's love for others and making us feel beautiful in the temple, which is a big deal. That's so That's very sweet of you. So thank you for coming on and yeah. being a part of Mormon Mompreneur. We sure love you and <laughs> love talking with you. You too. Thank you so much. joining us on the Mormon Mompreneur podcast. Check out our other episodes and learn from other women of faith, motherhood, and business as they share their unique stories and experiences. Go to www.mormonmompreneur.com or the iTunes store to learn more.